0: All right, so I'm going to reverse order here. I'm going to actually preach from the New Testament lesson today, Acts chapter 2, for this day of Pentecost. So I'm going to flip over to page 10 and uh, read John chapter 14, verses 8 through 17 to begin with today, the gospel lesson. Let me read that for us. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither, neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the gospel of our Lord. All right, and then flipping back over to page 9, our sermon text is going to be taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. And let me just remind you, this is God's word to us. It's given to us because he loves us. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the gospel. Or this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do ask that. You would open our eyes and ears and hearts to hear what you would have to say to us today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I find it humorous that uh, some of the folks in this crowd on Pentecost Sunday accused the disciples of being drunk uh, when they hear the disciples suddenly and inexplicably able to speak in foreign, language, foreign languages that they did not previously know. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but usually when someone is tipsy, uh, when they have been overserved, as we like to say down in South Brooklyn, uh, they can barely sp- speak their own native language, much less be able to speak fluently languages that they have never studied before. And Peter says that these that they're hearing, they're not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the middle of the day. It may be five o'clock somewhere, but that's not what's going on here today there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for this craziness. And he goes on to quote the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, where Joel speaks of a day, the last days, when God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The day of Pentecost is the beginning of those last days, a new era. A new era that is going uh, 2,000 years strong. The era of the Holy Spirit getting into and pushing and pulling people and their lives in ways that they would not have ordinarily chosen. And that era is still going on. You're in the middle of it right now. So how are you going to live in this era of the Holy Spirit seeking To transform your life. Not to erase who you are per se, but rather to make you into the person that God has always intended you to be. Whenever I think about this, I think about a a guy that I played uh, ball with in college. His name was Nick, and we talked about the gospel and had conversations about faith, and his biggest hang-up to putting his faith in Jesus was that he had this idea that if he surrendered his life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit would come and and live in him, that it would totally erase who he was as a person. Now, what he was mostly afraid of is he was going to have to give up all his vices. That's what he meant by that. Some real and some just cultural, but that was his fear. That was his idea that if I surrender my life to this outside force, It's going to wipe out who I am and I will cease to be what makes me a person as as Nick. And what he didn't realize was, is that it's not that the Holy Spirit comes and erases us. The Holy Spirit comes and makes us everything that God intended us to be. We are a community of faith gathered around Jesus who are striving together to believe this mystery that God created us for life with him. Genesis 2 says that when God made Adam, the first man, from the dust of the ground, he breathed his life into Adam. And even though we were created in God's image, even though God's life-giving presence is never far away from any of us, our experience of God's life-giving presence that he intends for us has been one of exile. Our sin and rebellion against the God who made us leaves us separated outside the walls of paradise lost. But God and his mercy doesn't leave us there. God comes in the flesh to bring us back to him, even though he came to his own and his own rejected him, even though we crucified the Savior by the power of God raising his son from the dead and by sending of his Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us again, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In John 20, after Jesus' resurrection, it says that Jesus breathed on the disciples. He breathed on the disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God coming into our bodies is not simply control like we're puppets and he has the strings. It is resuscitation. It is breathing life back into our bodies and spirits that have been separated from the life of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Which is why Jesus says that it's. To our advantage in John 16, that he's going away, that he has been resurrected from the dead, but he is going to to leave. And, you know, if you read through the Gospels, you realize every time Jesus starts talking about that he's going to go away, they start freaking out. What? You can't leave. You can't go away. And Jesus says, no, it's a good thing that I leave. It's a good thing for you that I go away, because when the Spirit, the Helper Comes, he can come, and I will dwell with you always. I will lead you into all truth, and you will be with me, and I will be with you because I will be living inside you always. Always, he says. Jesus lived, and he died, and he rose again, and he rep- promises to return. To set all things to right, to make everything back to the way that it was meant to be and to renew all things. But we do not have to look back into the past to know God's presence. We also do not have to wait for the future to know God's presence. The promise and power of the Holy Spirit is that God's presence is with each and every one of you right now. Not that it used to be or not that it one day will come right now. In this present moment, breathing life into your lungs with a mighty rushing wind, lighting your heart with the fire of God's presence, giving utterance to your lips to proclaim that all who call upon the name of the Lord can have this life giving presence in this present moment right now as well. In about 15 or so minutes, maybe. We'll see how quickly we go. This local body of believers, this community of faith, you're going to vote to decide the future of this congregation, of this church family. And I know that this church matters a great deal to most, if not every single person who is here today. For some of you, this has been your church for all 18 plus years of its existence. For some of you, this has been your church since the day you moved to Brooklyn, whenever that was. For some of you, this has been your church your entire Christian life since you have come to faith, whether a child or an adult. You take a lot of pride in what this church has been. You take a lot of pride in what this church is now. And for good reason, you as a body of men and women and children have come together in this place to give witness by your words and by your deeds and by your acts of love to the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, the name which everyone who calls upon will be saved. And for some, maybe many, I'm honestly not sure, this vote to decide the future of this congregation makes you anxious. It makes you nervous, or perhaps even afraid, whether that to be the decision to close and to merge with Resurrection Clinton Hill, or to renew your pastoral search and move forward as the congregation of Resurrection Park Slope. And that is perfectly acceptable. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage all of this, and I don't say this to offer platitudes and hollow words, although I realize that it can come off that way. But either direction, either direction that this church chooses to go, you're going to be okay. In fact, you're going to be better than okay. Because the Holy Spirit, that on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago, came and In a mighty and dramatic fashion to indwell God's people with the presence of God to give them confidence and assurance in the face of much greater opposition than what we face is the same Holy Spirit that indwells and empowers each one of you today. The Holy Spirit still abides in us, still empowers us to do greater works than what Jesus did. I mean, that's what he says. I know it seems unbelievable, but that's straight from his mouth. And that same Holy Spirit still gives us peace greater than the world could ever give us. So be at peace. Have confidence that the Spirit is affirming in you the three basic promises that are repeated throughout Scripture from beginning to end. Do not be afraid. I am with you because I love you. Be encouraged. and Have hope and confidence. The God's Spirit is present with us now. He has been present with us. He will be present with us in the future, come what may. And let's go with God together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's respond to God's word by confessing our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I ask you, brothers and sisters, in whom do you trust? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth.